a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back to our number two of Inside Sources. Today on this lovely 70 degree day, you have Mara Carabello with the Exoro Group. Uh, Taylor Morgan with Morgan May Public Policy. So Taylor and I both run um, political consulting, public policy uh, firms. It's kind of fun to be together. Sometimes we're on the same side. Sometimes we're on different sides, um, which has been terrific. And it's exciting to host Inside Sources with you today. Oh, that's nice of you, Mara. Uh, I, I've i learned a lot from you over the years. Uh, I worked for you about a decade yeah, ago. Yeah. And uh, we won't mention what, just in case. No, we will not mention that. uh, But let's let's be honest. I would like to disagree with you a lot more than I really do. But uh, true, we. I'm a good Republican. Uh, You're. I'm a centrist. centrist. I'm left of center. Left of center. So we call that a Democrat. You know, um, we. I'm. I'm sticking with left of center on that. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm shedding my partisanship. They're, the parties aren't as interesting to me as the policies are. Uh, That's my position. That's what I'm saying. I'm sticking with that. Sounds like you're running for office. That's right. I want to announce. No. So we're replacing Boyd Mathingen just for today, and we've got an interesting topic uh, to discuss next. I think. I, I think it's intriguing. In Utah, we yeah. have had a long history. Of loving our ancestry, you know, our genealogy and tracing oh, yes. back, and and many of us have friends and family and and fathers and mothers who have traced the history. I say I'm I'm, an, I'm a Carabello, so we're not or, original to the great state of Utah, but um, you know, long history of it. There's a wonderful world of journey, but often it depends on maybe where your roots come from. Right? Yeah. About how hard it is uh, to figure out where your great 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 great-grandfather and mother came from. Right. And today, as we observe Juneteenth, right, right, the new holiday here in Utah, also a federal holiday, uh, recognizing the end of slavery right. in the United States, uh, it's an important point that a lot of uh, black Americans uh, face some difficulty as they trace their family history, right? And so we have with us now on the show to talk about this issue uh, and talk about uh, the a new project called the African Oral History Project. We have Tom Reed. He is the director of African Heritage North America at Family Search International, and Bruce Miller. Uh, Bruce is the general manager of Family Search Africa, and they are going to tell us about the African Oral History Project. Tom, Bruce, thank you for joining. Thank you so much for having. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. So, Tom, I'm going to start with you. What is the African Oral History Project? Well, in a nutshell, it's it's our efforts on the continent of Africa and 18 different nations to collect the oral histories from as many um, individuals living in villages among various ethnic groups across West, Central, Eastern, and even Southern Africa. Um, it's an effort that we've been involved in. It's, it's not necessarily a new project as we've been involved in 
and collecting histories, you know, oral histories, particularly through the world for 30, 35 years. But in earnest, really have been focused on the, the, the sub-Saharan continent of Africa for the last five or six years. So, so that's why the eight, so there's, so there's 54 African nations, right? And so um, you're focused in sub-Sahara just as a starting place. And as Correct. You, okay. And then you're focused mostly on going into those villages and hearing their um, tribal stories and how they relate to the migration or the slavery um, that brought many African-Americans to the United States. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're taking the time among, in many of these villages. We'll, we'll sit down with, you know, eight to ten different, you know, village rememberers or griots, those who have this history, and we'll take the time to learn about not only the family relationships, which is obviously our, our core strength at Family Search and what we do best, but also the history. And, and like you said, the migration. Who was the first ancestor? And what were some of the major events that happened in the history of that group of people that's led them to today. And, and by doing that, and, and by the way, we're doing that in their native language. So we, we actually have a, a small group um, here led by Bruce Miller and his team in Salt Lake that support uh, the, the dozens of employees, the hundreds of cr- contractors and thousands of interviewers that are going in each and every day to these villages and, and meeting with thousands of people and recording hours of, of, you know, this oral history and then transcribing that information and doing it in their language. And mm. so in the process of doing this, it's, it's, you know, we're collecting what, I think more than 700 different languages wow. that are captured as part of this effort. Wow. That's, that's impressive. That is a huge, huge project and so important, you know, it, oral histories, right? That's uh, something that's very important, right? That is uh, particularly important to this community. Uh, can you give our listeners uh, a real good understanding of why specifically oral histories uh, are so important uh, to black Americans? Well, particularly in, in black Africa, like these are the only records in, in many instances that exist for these people. That the, the only way we'll really know if someone existed or, or you know, if someone's life is because of the oral history that's been recorded in tradition that's been passed down and we're able to kind of say their names. I, I recently heard a good friend of ours, Professor Henry Louis Gates, say you have to say the name of your ancestors. And if you say their names, you keep them alive. And when you find them, you open the vault where they've been suspended and they tell you their stories. Mm. And so that. even on Africa, has, has come over to, you know, Afri- you know African-Americans today. My grandmother had the oral stories, didn't have as much written documents. Now, for us in America, there, there are written documents, and, and they're becoming more and more readily available despite some of the challenges, you know, that, that the transatlantic slave trade brought here. But more and more are coming available. But for many families still in America, still around this Juneteenth, they're telling these oral stories and these oral histories. That's been in our tradition and the way for us to remember the names of our people. I love that, and I love that you have translated that. I remember I lived in Uganda, and when they spoke Lugandan, it was largely an oral uh, language, not a written language, and so it resonates with me. So one question I have, it's a nuanced question. How are you, are you using indigenous um, uh, Africans um, dependent on the country to do the nuances of, you know, sometimes gender gets switched depending on the language style or the age of the speaker. And so um, I, I imagine with 
with histories that you're trying to confirm sort of um, travel routes and historical. Mm. How are you doing that? Not only just the translation, but kind of the cultural translation of the story. Yeah, I think, Bruce, I mean, you have more experience with, with the contractors and, and kind of their experiences in, in being able to provide the cultural sensitivities and knowledge there, if you want to speak to this. You bet. That's a wonderful question. As you mentioned, we really do want to be sensitive. Uh, we discovered very quickly that that it's difficult to understand all the nuances that exist in a story as it might be told or in a, a tradition that's been passed down. And this is why we we have contractors we work with. But and uh, when it comes down to the village contact, they employ people who are from those villages and they go in, they speak the language, they're speaking the native language. And just to appreciate how many languages there are, we have an employee in Kenya, in eastern Kenya, and I remember traveling with him once to an interview less than 50 miles from his own home. And as we went into the interview, he was not able to understand the, the dialogue because the language was so different just over that distance. But the people who were there were from that area. They were able to ask the questions, record the data, and then uh, it's recorded on paper, which we then uh, scan so that that becomes a physical record for us. But mm. then it's also transcribed by people from that area as well, and it's put into a, a file, a GEDCOM file, that uh, all of those details are captured, the gender and the location and, and the estimated dates. They don't generally have dates, but the estimated dates. And so by using people from the area, we're able to capture many more of those nuances and preserve them. Wow. Uh, Tom Reed, Director of African Heritage at Family Search International, and Bruce Miller, General Manager of Family Search Africa. We thank you so much for joining the show and uh, talking to us about the African Oral History Project. Uh, really quickly, uh, where can our listeners go if they want to learn more? We, we invite everyone, uh, regardless of your ethnic background or, or <laughs> desire, to just come to FamilySearch.org. We, we provide, you know, many different experiences for people all over the world. Our website, you know, is available in multiple languages across the world. And so if your listeners want to learn more, come to FamilySearch.org and hopefully discover their own family story. Thank you. Stay with us. Uh we are going next to get into a conversation about the gig economy, Mara. Uh, we have uh, Stephen Greenhut coming up from the R Street Institute uh, about his new piece showing how the gig economy could be a saving grace for workers, but especially men. Interesting. Stay with us. Think again with Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story, the struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. 
I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.